Hey there, welcome to the Next Level Nutrition Biz Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Long, business coach for nutritionists. I help nutritionists just like you create and launch their business and sign their first high-paying client. In this podcast, you'll learn practical strategies to start and grow your nutrition business that you can implement right away. You'll also hear from a ton of guests who have started their own thriving nutrition businesses and share what they've learned throughout their journey. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Next Level Nutrition Biz Podcast. Today, I have guest Lisa here to talk all about blogging for your nutrition business. Why is blogging a good strategy to grow your business? How can you be blogging properly? Um, what about research? What kind of research do you need to do? And then also marketing your blog posts, how to really get them out there and get the most reach. So let me tell you a little bit about Lisa. Lisa Klitsch is a health writer, editor, blogging expert, and research nerd. She loves helping credible health and wellness professionals strategically use research-based content to build their practices. You can check her out at lisaklitsch.com. And uh, just to get started, Lisa, thanks for being here. And um, why don't we just start with you telling us a little bit about yourself, how you got into nutrition, and then how you got into blogging and research. Thanks, Stephanie. Really excited to be here. Um, I want to make a long story short because I know everybody's got their reasons for where they are, especially when it comes to nutrition, because we love helping people improve their health and have delicious, wonderful ways to do it with a healthier lifestyle. Um, But what I did was I actually did my master's degree at University of Guelph here in Ontario in uh, biomedical toxicology and nutrition. So I was interested in it from like forever ago. And I worked for 12 years in industry and then moved across the country to St. John's, Newfoundland. And uh, I had to quit my job to do that. So I went back to school and I did the CSNN distance program in natural nutrition And then I tried doing, being a nutritionist, and I didn't love it. I just, I felt that I loved figuring things out and doing the research and coming up with recommendations more than being one-on-one with clients. I don't know. I was just this kind of weird nutritionist. (laughs) I'm like, I just love to hide behind the computer and kind of do my thing instead of really being an excellent coach, which is, you know, so many people are so much better at that than I am. Um, So then I just started writing and researching and writing and getting into editing and then realizing I could have the best content in the world, but if nobody finds it, what good is it? So then I started learning SEO and uh, that's kind of led me where I am today, being a, a health writer, editor, SEO expert and a bit of a nerd. I love nerding out on the medical studies. Yeah, well, I'll just say we need people like you because definitely <laughs> I'm not the research type. Um, I am more of like the coach type, but I think, you know, like you said, you weren't really maybe made for one-on-one coaching um, and, and helping, you know, individuals with their nutrition. Um, I think there's so many people like you. So I think you're giving a voice to those people that are like, I just don't fit in that traditional one-on-one, you know, me helping someone um, situation. So I'm really hoping today maybe they can even see themselves in you or see that, you know, blogging or health writing is a is a profitable way to use their certification or to use their knowledge 
Yeah, for sure. For sure. And and that's the thing with being an entrepreneur is really there's so many different little niches and angles you can take to grow your business um, that doing what you love and are the best at is, is just, it makes life so much easier. Mm-hmm. That's very, very true. Finding that like secret sauce of yes. you know, where you really fit in. And well, let's actually just start off the conversation because I have a question for you that I feel like some people might be asking and um, really curious about, you know, is blogging still a viable way to grow your business and get clients? Or, you know, you hear some people saying like blogging's dead, like nobody's reading blogs anymore. So obviously I'm assuming you're probably thinking, you know, no, blogging is alive and well because that's a, an area that you've really, uh, you know, put your your business energy into and also helping others. So, yeah, if you can just kind of give us like an understanding of like, you know, where do we, how can we look at blogging and like what are your thoughts and feelings around it? Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I just want to start by saying that the traditional blog of you know, having a really short little article that's written with maybe one image, that is dead. Like, let's be honest. (laughs) Now blogging is so much more expansive. And I would even gather to say that something that you put anything, any type of valuable content you publish regularly is your blog. So it could be a vlog if you have videos, your podcast, like all infographics, It could be really long, amazing written content. It doesn't have to be that kind of old school blog because um, really as long as, for example, there are people out there who are searching for what you have to offer, blogging is such a valuable tool to have in your business. Mm -hmm. Okay. So just to be clear, um, when you're saying like long form content, so would that be like putting your vlog, let's say you're doing like YouTube, would that still be like putting the video on a traditional like blog on your website and then writing out some content? Or are you saying like your blog could be your YouTube channel and you don't need to like host anything on your actual website? Yeah, I would say the first option because um, that old kind of saying about don't build your house on somebody else's property, I think still applies. And, um, you know, having a really successful YouTube channel or, you know, whatever other platform you use is amazing and great and works really well for a lot of people. But there's just that, that fact that you don't own it. It's not on your URL. Um, It's, it's, you know, you can be lost in the algorithm or your account could be canceled or shadow banned or whatever, whatever, whatever can happen. And so having your own website where your blog is just that element that you update regularly. So for example, if you did do YouTube videos, you could just embed it into a blog post with a little introduction on it, or even even have the whole transcript on there if you want or embed the audio, whatever. But I would always want to have your main intellectual property, like your business assets should really be on your owned website. Okay, that's really good to know. Um, And I'm sure people are thinking like, okay, that's a bit more energy. But I'm assuming doing so is actually going to create more traffic to your website instead of just traffic to like YouTube or just traffic to your Instagram page. So maybe can you talk about some benefits of like, why having that um, on your or embedded into your website would like actually help your overall kind of business strategy? 
Right. Because when you have your blog post on, on your site, and again, it could be an embedded video or, and it doesn't even have to be YouTube. You could have like a Voo player or a Vimeo account that you're still embedding. Um, having something on your own site allows you to get people to your site and get traffic to your site, but also it allows you to link to different pages and posts on your site. You could one of the main, main reasons really, if we really boil down to it, to having a blog or having regularly published content is to grow your email list. I mean, email marketing is still a hugely successful way, even though people thought that would die out. It's a hugely successful way of getting really high conversion rates on, um, you know, on open rates and click through rates on your email, because you've already got this list of people who are voluntarily it's it's it's, they're voluntarily gave you their email address so you could send them things so by having a blog on your site you can link to your own pages and 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 other posts which is great for your seo as well by the way Um, you have your opt-in forms so that you can have people opt into your email list you could have pop-ups so they can opt into your email list i mean it's really such a, a platform that you can use to the fullest extent when you own it yourself Yeah. And I think this is going to be like, so kind of mind expanding for people, because I think we just, we just assume it's like, you know, written content or we're, you know, putting the video there. um, But we're not like utilizing all of these extra opportunities, you know, when someone lands on this post, you know, if we're just like putting the, you know, the written content there, and we're not leading them somewhere, we're really missing out on an opportunity. So I'm really excited, you know, in a bit to talk a little bit more about like, how to blog properly and probably get the most bang for your buck. Uh, But I think you make a really good point to why, you know, it should be on your website and all of the benefits that come from that. Right, right. So interlinking is great. The internal linking helps your SEO having all of those uh, opportunities to share your, your content elsewhere, because really the way, the way I, the way I use my blog and the way I recommend people do it. And I've seen really successful people do this is they start their kind of content with a blog post. And again, whatever format you want, but the the fact is you're, you're publishing a blog post on your, um, on your own website, on your own URL from that, you automatically have content for your email newsletter, because you could, for example, pull out the introduction to your email newsletter and put a link so they can read the blog post. You also automatically have, you know, especially if you have a long form blog post, you make a dozen different social media posts from it and have send all of those out on social media again with the link back to go back to your blog post. So by, by using your blog as a foundation of your content, you then can it's so much easier to have an email and multiple social media posts kind of naturally fall out of an awesome piece of content than it is to start all of those things separately from scratch. Mm-hmm. That is such a good point because I think that's where we get the most stressed as entrepreneurs. We're like, oh my gosh, I've got my Instagram, then posting on Facebook, and then maybe I'm going to do something on Pinterest, a blog, a video. And then we think, oh gosh, that's like, you know, six or eight different pieces of material. And, you know, you're really flipping the script and saying, no, it's one main piece of material, which, you know, makes sense to make it that blog, that long form. And then you're pulling from there. And, you know, even I'm just curious, have you worked with people in the past, like other nutritionists or wellness experts who have kind of been doing it the other way they've been you know thinking each 
platform needs new, fresh content. And then when you help them maybe implement more of a blogging strategy, do things really change and shift for them? Oh, it's so, it's so true because, um, everything kind of has its own separate strategy if you let it. But when I help, um, you know, health professionals and nutritionists, yoga teachers, fitness pros, whoever, I've worked with a lot of different people. We come up with and create a content strategy where you actually, you know, this is kind of 2.0, but you, you, you know, you have your business vision and you have your marketing plan and then you use that to actually plan out your blog posts. Once you have that kind of foundational blog content planned out, everything falls out of it so, so much easier. You don't have to think about, oh my gosh, I have to post something you know, on Instagram, because I haven't posted anything in two days already. Like, it's just you have it. And once you have this one topic that, you, that you're working with, you can pre-schedule all of these posts to go out for like months later to go all the way back to that one blog post. Like, I personally schedule uh, social media content for a full year after I publish a blog post. And I'm talking, these are unique social media posts, right? It's not the same social media post, definitely not the same image, but it's an excerpt or a quote or a meme or, or a, you know, some kind of small nugget of what was in that blog post. And it's all fresh in your mind when you've just published this new post. So you can easily create, you know, six or 10 or 12 different pieces of social media content at that time, schedule it all to go out over the next few months. And it's honestly such a relief to just be like, oh my gosh, I'm set for a while. (laughs) I know people are like, wait, a year ahead? I can plan that far ahead? And I think you're you're totally right. You know, even though we're talking maybe like 2.0, like you said, you know, like that, you have to have your marketing plan down and know kind of where you're leading people. But if you, if you can get that in place, then all of your content, everything you're writing, everything you're creating is very strategic. We're not just throwing spaghetti at the wall anymore. We're saying, hey, I want you know, 10 to 20 new clients to come in for my digestive health program. So I need to be creating blog posts that are driving people to, you know, want to book in for that. So related topics and things that are, you know, really warming them up. You know what? I'm so glad you mentioned that because speaking of warming people up, what I have found for myself as well is when you, because having a blog also allows you to get found on search engines, right? So Mm -hmm. you're not always necessarily um, relying on cold traffic or people, social media followers or even email subscribers, but new people can find you in your content on your blog. And in doing that, the, the sales calls, those, those discovery calls are so, so much easier because literally the, the ideal clients were searching for a solution to their problem. They found you. They're already warm up to you. Like they are already 50% ready to hire you just because they found you and you were helping them unbeknownst to you. Like who knows at midnight, you know, one day they were searching and they found you and you helped them without even realizing it at that time. And they want to book with you. Like, it's incredible the dynamic change when you are dealing with warm people who are finding you. Yeah, and I think that solves a lot of problems in our business where we're like, there's just not enough leads or where am I supposed to get clients from or, you know, 
we're kind of just like waiting for people to come to us. And I feel right. like what you're saying is blogging is being proactive and setting your business up for success. So you're generating new potential clients all the time. Yep. Yeah. Which is like, yep. sounds really cool. <laughs> yeah. um, okay. So just to kind of play it on the flip side, like, you know, what would you recommend um, if somebody didn't have a blog right now, you know, where could they get started or maybe make a case for like why, they need to jump on that blogging train and, you know, an easy way for them to, you know, try it out. Well, to get started, I would really say that talking to ideal clients and seeing what they're looking for and figure a blog would really be kind of that piece of content that would um, bridge that gap between where they are and what they're looking for and how you help them. So by answering their questions, creating content on, on answering their questions, always, always, as we mentioned earlier, always have a call to action because your blog is just one step in that journey toward being a client. And it's part of that, you know, your funnel and your attract marketing strategy. So always make sure that you have a call to action for them to join your email list. Um, and also see what content you already have that's available. It doesn't even have to be a blog post. Let's say you had an amazing, you know, Instagram post that got a ton of, of um, engagement. You could repurpose that into a blog post and you're not starting from scratch you're publishing something on your platform that you own that you already know people love and adore. And you know what? Nobody's going to notice that it was very similar to an Instagram post from, you know, two and a half months ago, like reuse and repurpose as much content as possible. Um, It doesn't have to be intimidating and it doesn't have to be like, Oh my God, I'm sitting at a blank screen with a flashing cursor. Start with what you have and just publish it. Okay. So that's kind of like the uh, recommendation or the food for thought here is like, if you're stuck, you know, start, you know, even create something a bit more long firm on something you've already created, ask your audience, see what they're interested in, but just do it. Just put that first post out there. And then maybe, or I'm curious what you would say here, would you actually say, to everybody like double down on that one post, like repurpose it, try to get it, you know, market it a little bit more, try to get it in front of people's faces before going on and writing another blog post. Like what is your kind of recommendation uh, for the strategic part? Like, do you say kind of maximize the, the reach of that one post or, you know, write as many posts as you can? No, I would not write as many posts as I can. I'm so glad you asked that. Um, you want to you want to get the most out of each piece of content. And now, um, I think really in the past three years or so, the the emphasis really has been on quality over quantity, and that's just because the ability to create content is now it's so simple, it's so easy. Anybody can create a free blog on like WordPress.com, whatever. That those. As I mentioned at the beginning, those old school, you know, really short little posts with one image and no call to action, those are gone. So investing the time and effort into a couple of good pieces of content and then share the heck out of them. 
Put those in your email newsletter. Put them all over your social media handles. Do as much social work behind it. Even, you know, if it's doing well, consider putting, you know, ad money behind it once you know that it's engaging. But all of those things really fall out of the a good quality post. And I would definitely recommend if you had a choice, for example, this is what I tell my clients. If you have a choice between publishing a blog post every week or publishing an awesome blog post every month or twice a month, I would definitely go for the once or twice a month blog post calendar schedule over the every week just to get something out there. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. I know some friends in the industry who only blog once a month and have been really successful at that. You know, you put more time and effort in. And like you said, it's the quality over the quantity, because um, I think, again, people are just going to get more value the more in depth it goes or the more helpful that it is. Right. And those ones get more shares. Those ones get found on, on search engines more. Like everything happens more for a quality piece of content that stands out. And that's because of this kind of phenomenon called content shock, where, you know, there, there gets a point where there's so much content out there that in order to get in the search engine, in order to, to really resonate with people, it's got to be, you know, a, a step ahead of a lot of what's already out there on that topic. So there's really little point in publishing you know, short, not very awesome things uh, very often. The only, the only caveat I have for this is if you don't, if you already have a great audience and you're not looking to attract new people with your content, say you have a great healthy email list and a lot of engagement and, you know, your stuff sells out regularly and you're not really focusing your business on attracting new people. You just want to nurture the people who you already have. That's the point where you can be like, all right, I'll just publish something short and sweet just to continue a relationship if you're really not looking to start building new relationships with people. That's a really, really good point. So again, just being super strategic about why are you doing this? You know, what's the point of it? Just don't do it for the sake of doing it, but have an idea of like, what is my um, strategy right now? Like, am I trying to grow my audience? Am I trying to start my audience? Am I trying to warm them up and nurture them? Um, I love that you brought that up. Now, one thing I'm really curious about here, because, and I will be totally transparent, you know, one thing that has always scared me from having a blog, specifically, you know, when I was a nutritionist, and thinking about, okay, it needs to be this, like, huge blog post, so well researched, what happens if I say the wrong thing, what happens if I quote the wrong research, or it's out of date, Um, you know, I'm just curious, like, where do people get started with the research? How much do they need to do? How, how many hours are these blog posts taking them? I'm just curious if you can give us a good picture of like, where do they get started with like writing the actual blog post? Right, right. I, you know, I love this question because I would just do research all day if I could. (laughs) Um, And nobody else has to do that. So believe me, it's not necessary. (laughs) Um, I think to get started with research and, and we know that even things that we may have learned in school a few years ago may already be out of date because with new technology, with new research happening out there, we're learning new things about like the human body every day. So it's always great to stay on top of the your area of expertise. There are a few sites out there that are they're 
they're based on all of the research and they're very credible, but you don't have to have graduate degree in order to read it. You don't need to go to the actual studies themselves unless you totally want to, in which case, like, that's awesome. Um, but there are other websites out there that already have things that are kind of simulated and they're in proper English. I like to say that science is not written in English. <laughs> it is written and it's not even one... Um, language of science is like it even depends on your specialty right so uh having knowing where which sites to go to that are actually written in english that are credible to start to do your research is great and i can list a few for you here but i also have a website um sorry a blog post that has um, a whole list of of credible sites but if you want i can share a few right yeah. here why don't you share like one or two and then give us um maybe where they can find uh that blog post or we can also put it in the show notes if that's easier too. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be great. Um, so one of the places that I recommend first off, if you are looking for, you know, research based information to quote, um, is called Medline Plus. And that is um, put out through the National Institutes of Health. And it's got a ton of information there on different diseases, different medical tests, different medicines and supplements it's got a whole bunch of information out there and it's all it's written in easy to understand language and um, it's a great source of a ton of information you can just search medline plus um, another place that I like for supplements specifically is called the Office of Dietary Supplements, and it's the ODS. That's also through the NIH, and that one has really great summaries on a ton of different nutrients, but also non-nutrient supplements. And um, what I really like about this site, too, is they have kind of different documents. One is your health professional document, so kind of guidance that's a little more technical. They also have a consumer-friendly version. So it's really cool. I can give you these links and also um, the links that I have for other uh, websites as well. Yeah, I'll make sure to put those all in the show notes for you guys. I know that's probably when you're grabbing your pen and paper, you know, to write this down really quickly. So that will all be listed for you in the show notes because um, I can only assume that you've done your own research, Lisa, to find the best websites and to cut through the noise. And I'm sure that's, you know, probably one of the reasons why your clients love working with you is you're giving them those fast track ways to make blogging easier than, you know, I don't know about about you or your thoughts on this, but, you know, going on like a, uh, what, like a black hole of reading all the PubMed articles and then getting lost in something and forgetting exactly what you're even writing about. I'm sure blogging could be this long drawn out experience, but it sounds like you've got some really good resources to make it a little bit easier. Yeah, for sure. And I love doing it. So if anybody has any questions, you can reach out to me as well. <laughs> okay, perfect. Hey there, I hope you're getting so much value from this episode. So I wanted to take a quick pause to tell you about the Next Level Nutrition Biz Collective and share a special offer just for podcast listeners like you. If you're trying to get momentum with your nutrition business or need some support figuring out your next steps or brainstorming ideas, this monthly membership is for you. Inside, you'll get monthly in-depth marketing, sales, and business trainings and Q&A sessions to help you grow your nutrition business as well as a supportive community where you can ask questions and exchange ideas. If you want to learn more or join us in the Next Level Nutrition Biz Collective, head on over to www.stephanielong.ca slash membership and be sure to use the code podcast in the checkout to get your first month for only $7. See you inside.
Um, so then that actually makes me uh, think of another question, which is, you know, how important is research? Do we need to be researching for every blog post? Do we need to be quoting, you know, different studies and, um, you know, having our footnotes and everything and, and citing different uh, uh, articles in every blog post? Or can we just share like our basic knowledge without having to, you know, pull, I guess, the science into each blog post? I'm a little biased on this one, but I have a reason to be. So I'm going to say that if you ask me, we should definitely have resources for any type of health claims that we make for a lot of reasons. And one is just to cover your butt so that people are not ever wondering if you came up with this recommendation in a dream or if there's actual credible evidence behind saying what you say. So I think that that's good just for, um, you know, credibility perspective as well. Um, But a lot of the issues that have been happening online lately have led giant sites like Google, for example, to specifically uh, prioritize websites that are based in credible research that have links, for example, to PubMed, to Medline Plus, to these credible sites, so that you you can more easily move up the ranks there by quoting them as well. Plus, I don't know if you've ever been asked by a client, but this would be another question to ask yourself if you're wondering about, you know, do I really need to quote uh, sources on this? Is how many times have you been asked? Or where does this come from? Or, hey, can you show me the link to the study? Or can you pass on more information? Whatever. I mean, you may naturally have very curious or very uncurious types of clients and um, audience. And that's another thing to uh, kind of think about when you're deciding to do it or not. Um, I'd say that really health claims, like if you're specifically saying, oh, okay, well, this is related to this and therefore I recommend that. Those really, really should have claims. If you're going to have a blog post, for example, on like your favorite recipe that you, you know, made for whatever reason, of course you won't need anything for that, right? So I think when you're talking specifically about like health and medical claims, then yes, but there are so many areas that nutritionists cover in the breadth of their business that you're not going to need it for, you know, every single topic you've ever write about. Mm -hmm. Okay. That makes a whole lot of sense. And I think it's like maybe like better safe than sorry, right? You know, having that information there and accessible and going that extra step to know that you're protected, you're protecting your clients, you're, you're really giving them that confidence that you are, you know, uh, looking at the research is always going to be better than like, you're kind of saying, bringing things out of thin air. And, you know, is that something that is kind of based in science? Also the, the whole reason that Google is prioritizing, um, more research-based articles, I think makes a really big, uh, compelling statement of why you would add that in as well. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Again, you know, if you're making health claims, that's different than if you are, you know, helping people to, you know, use up their chia, Mm -hmm. right? Which Mm -hmm. is which is a very delicious and awesome blog post to write as well. <laughs> yeah, I guess there's a time and a place for for both styles, right? Right. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk a little bit quickly about um, how to blog properly. Um, I know a question that I have myself or that I've had a lot of clients ask is, you know, how long does a blog post have to be to perform well? Like, I think you kind of did say, you know, shorter ones aren't as like helpful, but you know, is Google or all or our search engines kind of um, 
penalizing us for having shorter blog posts. So yeah, I'd love some kind of ideas around like how long blog posts should be. And then maybe we could talk a little bit about structure for a second. Yeah, for sure. So uh, I haven't, I think the latest research that I've seen is that when it comes to health and wellness posts, the the top ones that rank on search engines are going to be at least 1,500, maybe 1,800 words. Now, that may sound like a lot, but again, it does not have to be something that you need to publish three times a week or even once a week. But having something that's going to answer the person's question. So, I mean, if you think about the whole purpose of search engines is they're there to assist people in finding the best information to answer their questions or solve their problems on a topic. So when there's so much content out there to choose from, they're going to choose the ones that have the best information in it. So I would recommend if, you know, when you're publishing something that you, and again, these are the posts that you are specifically targeting that you want to use to build your authority. They're the ones that you want to use to attract new traffic. Like if you're actually investing in this type of post, then I would definitely look for something at least 1500 words or more, um, to do if you want to attract more people. Again, not every post has to be like that either, right? Like recipes don't have to be that long. Other things, opinion pieces don't have to be that long. But that would be kind of the the general rule from the most recent studies that I've seen. Okay, that, that makes sense. And thank you for giving that guideline because I think people are like, is this like an eight page essay? Is this like a one pager? You know, how many words? Um, and I think that can overwhelm people. So to give kind of that 1500 uh, yeah. minimum words is really nice. So they can kind of even just, you know, try to reach that, right? And I'm assuming that, like, let's say the argument would be, you know, I don't have enough time to sit down and write that, you know, what would be your recommendation? Would you say, okay, well, something's better than nothing. So even if you can do 800 words or a thousand, or would you say this is super important? um, So try to outsource it to, you know, a content writer, like what would be your thoughts there if someone said, you know, they just don't have time for meeting that minimum? Which I totally, totally understand. Like I get it. As an entrepreneur, we wear all the hats and creating content is not necessarily the one that you're focused on the most. So I totally get it. Um, What I would say is it's always possible to export something, you know, have it send it to a content writer or even grab some, you know, done for you articles and customize them or even invite guests to post. And there's kind of a whole process on how to do that well, but there are ways to get that done. Um, But if you are looking at getting started, if you're like, you're not using your blog specifically to attract new people, you can easily post something that's less. Again, those kind of shorter posts are good kind of fillers when you don't have enough time, when you just want something that you can share on social media multiple times or share on your newsletter. Those are fine because then you can always go back to it, you know, six months or a year later, build on it, and add to it and turn it into something big. So for me, I guess I kind of live in this gray zone where there isn't a black and white, where there isn't like, thou shall always do this every time. You know, it depends on your purpose, your strategy, 
and also what you know, like what you want to get out of it and how much time you have. Let's be realistic. Content marketing, which is basically blogging, which is using content to market your business, is what you're going to make it. So if you're going to be using that to grow your business, then you want, you're going to be investing in that. If this is not the main way you're going to use your business, then just make it work for you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. And I think it's nice to hear that approach of like, it's not this way or no way, or, you know, like that, like that gray area in between. And, and I love that idea of, you know, even writing that base post and then going back months later, however much later when you have the time and the resources and the bandwidth to, you know, really maximize that post. I think that's a fantastic idea and kind of reminds us, you know, there's probably content already potentially living on our website that maybe gets some engagement. And if you just put a little bit more TLC into it, you could really make it stand out. Yes, totally. I am a huge proponent of re, like reduce, reuse, recycle, up, update things, upgrade things. We don't need to reinvent the wheel every time. It's too overwhelming. And plus, by, by repurposing content that you already have, you're having consistent presence on the internet. Like, your, your message is the same. You're giving the same message. You're having the same help. You're providing the same or more value over time. It doesn't have to be like starting from scratch. I, I, I can't emphasize enough that you don't need to be staring at a blank screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very relieving to hear. <laughs> okay, so with the actual blog post, um, I'm just thinking for those that are like, okay, I'm ready to sit down. I'm ready to write. Um, get those like juices flowing. Um, but they're like, how do I structure it? So would you say like, you know, using headings that are like bolded, like should the should the blog post be like easy to skim? Um, should it be just more like huge paragraphs? Like what is kind of that approach you usually teach to your clients to make it really easy for that person reading it to absorb um, that information? Yeah, it is. It is so true that things are changing. Um, White space is really important because people skim. Like if you think about a book, right? Like somebody has literally paid 20 or $30. They bought a book. They're sitting on their couch. That book is right there. They've invested the time and effort into getting that content. They're going to sit on their butt and read it. When you're on your smartphone or your tablet or your laptop, you can hit that back button like in a half a hot, a hot second, you're gone. Mm. So by making it easy to read on the internet is so key. So in that, not only white space, lots of images, like lots of images. So I'll tell you, the most recent study I saw about images recommends an image every 75 to 100 words. Wow. I'm surprised so, with that, actually. I know. It used to be 350, but people are just those posts with more images get more social shares and they're ranking higher on Google. So every subheader, I'll tell you my trick, is every subheader that I use, because as you said, subheaders are are great for skimmers because people are going to be skimming to see whether they're going to hit that back button or not. Every subheader, I have an image. And then the subheaders are usually a bigger font, you know, um, bold, whatever to, to stand out online. Um, and then of course, when it comes to structure, you want a catchy intro. So 
your first kind of hurdle when you're creating a blog post is to get people to want to even read it in the first place. So that's where your title and your main feature image really come into play. And if you have, for example, um, ConvertKit, I know I think you also use ConvertKit, mm -hmm. is that right? Yeah. You can A-B test your titles on your email. So you can literally send the same email to a bunch of people with two different titles and ConvertKit or whatever autoresponder is used will test it out for a few hours, see which one is more popular, and then send all the rest of the people out the more popular one. So your title is so important. You can use your email autoresponder to try out different titles and see what resonates. Have lots of images, have lots of white space. Your introduction is your second kind of hurdle. Once people are like, oh, I love this, this image caught my attention or this headline caught my attention. Now I'm going to read the opening. Now I'll be honest, I have been practicing writing amazing openings for years and I am always, always trying new different ways of opening things up to re what you really want to do is you want to invite people in and set the expectation, right? You're not writing a novel. A blog post isn't a novel. You want to be practical. You want to be entertaining. You want to be helpful and valuable, but you're not setting the stage for a long, long story. You're setting the stage to show people how you can help them. So your introduction is really important. And then I would always say at the end, sum it up with a conclusion or a summary or your favorite point, some take-home message. And then you make sure there's a call to action. Make sure you're inviting your readers or your you know, listeners, whoever, whatever format you have, to join your email list at the end. Mm, those were fantastic tips. I feel like you just gave the the solution to, yeah. <laughs> to blog posts, you know, we don't have to, you know, hit our heads on our computers anymore wondering how to write. Um, I think that was such a nice um, skeleton for people to follow. So thanks for being so giving with that information and um, really making a case for, you know, how to structure it in a way that's going to be engaging because, um, you know, I think that's the biggest argument for people that are like, blogging's dead, you know, nobody's reading a blog post, but I don't think they're reading the old form blog posts as much right. anymore. They're reading this new um, skimmable blog post. And I do actually see this the more they think about that on different news sites or even um, something like BuzzFeed. I know that's quite different than what we're talking yeah. about, but it is very more image focused. And I think, you know, why not why not do what Google wants us to do versus working against it? You know, it sounds like you're just going to have more um, success in your business if you kind of follow those rules or that format um, that Google's really going to help you out when you're writing your blog posts. Yes, yes. Attracting your ideal clients is so, so important and ha putting your special sauce in there. You know, like, do you have a joke or do you include a recipe with every post or, you know, what's your special sauce? Like put your personality into it a little bit as well. Let people really get to know you and, and stand out because that's really what makes content memorable is that kind of personal, that little twist, that that angle that really connects with the ideal clients. And every single person is going to have one that's their own kind of a little bit different and unique. Yeah. So I guess a takeaway there would be like, don't try to write like anybody else, just try to sound like yourself. And help your clients and sound like yourself. And if you're, you know, if you like putting cartoon images in, throw cartoon images in. 
you know, if you're an amazing photographer, then get those pictures in, like do your thing and, and make, make yourself memorable and, and make yourself kind of the go-to person for content. Content is such a, it's such a powerful way to market your business that kind of connect using it to connect with people in a way that's not salesy. That's another reason why I think blogging and content marketing is so, um, successful and it's just so attractive to to me and to people that I know is because it's a way of being generous and providing value and being helpful to people without being like, okay, now buy my stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think you're right. I, I know for myself, the more um, value I get from somebody online, like I'm pro- probably like semi-interested in them already. And then if they have a valuable podcast episode or blog post or something like that, um, that doesn't take away where I'm like, oh, well, I learned everything I need to learn and I'm ready to do it on my own. Usually I'm like, oh, I still need a good solution to this problem. And that's the person I'm going to hire. Right, right. That's exactly it. You're planting the seed for being that person they're going to hire. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been such a great conversation. I mean, there's a hundred more questions I could ask you, but for the sake of everyone listening, I wanted it to be like an intro to blogging. I think you gave us so many compelling reasons why blogging is still alive, why we need to be blogging or have that, you know, um, content on our website, um, how it's really going to help our business grow, you know, why research is so important. Like you definitely made the case for that. And that's something I'm definitely going to consider as well. While I, you know, write my own posts and, and have that strategy in my own business. And then also um, how to write that blog post, which thank you for sharing that. It's so helpful. It can be so overwhelming, you know, what you need to write and how you need to structure it. So you really just gave us that perfect formula to, you know, put what we're learning into practice. So thank you so much. This was awesome. And I would love for you to just share, you know, where can everybody find more about you or do you have any um, kind of offering for them that they can kind of get started and get to know your business from? Yeah, for sure. So um, you can reach me at my website, which is just my name, lisakleach.com. So it's two E's, L-E-E-S-A, K-L-I-C-H.com. And um, right at the front of my homepage, there is a download with over 60 health blog post ideas. And in that, they are not all ones that need to be thoroughly researched and 1,500 words. You have a bunch of different ideas, all grouped in different categories, different types of posts that you would want to publish. And again, you don't have to make it written. It can be... um, it can be audio, it could be visual, it could be video, whatever it is. But the website is lisacleach.com. That is awesome. Again, I will make sure that's in the show notes for all of you. And thank you. I'm sure I will have you on again because, I, like I said, I have so many more questions I could ask. Maybe we could do like a blogging uh, 2.0 version of this conversation and really help people with that maybe more marketing piece and strategic um, you know, setting up of the blog and making sure it's getting really visible. So Maybe that's I would love that. idea for the future. <laughs> awesome. That sounds fantastic. Cause this is, this is such a good topic. And with all of nutritionists, especially online presence, websites and, and online marketing, social media, it's just like, now's the time. Like now's the time people are online looking for health information, right? Yeah, that's very true. Right. And, and it's better to get started, get your feet wet than to hold back. So I definitely think you helped um, to push those people that are probably thinking, yeah, I should probably start blogging or I should probably have something on my website. I think they're definitely going to be uh, feeling 
more confident about the reasons why they should add that into their strategy. So thanks again for coming. This was awesome. And this has been a blast. Yeah, for sure. Thanks so much, Stephanie. Thanks for listening in. If you like this episode, feel free to leave us a review, share the episode with a friend, or take us on social media. Catch you next time.